High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, computer aficionados, carousel horse riders, new wave fans, oh, and an extra special shout out to the ghost of prom queen's past. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the prom... Is at my place this evening. Well, I guess that doesn't really make sense. But let's just say the limo is leaving from my place this evening. But first, let's chat about your homework. This was your assignment. And I would like to see the results. Your homework was to listen to last week's episode on prom night. Why? Because the guest from last week... The third time's a charm man himself, Mike Manzi, is back this week to discuss the sequel to last week's film, Prom Night 2. Now, if you didn't listen to the episode or if you didn't watch it, first of all, shame on you, and you get a zero. But you might be in luck, because Prom Night 2 is not really a direct sequel to Prom Night 1, but it gets crazier. Trust me. I'm also assuming you didn't get John Cusack to unblock us. Nope. Looking at Twitter now, he's still blocking us. <sighs> but before we get into that, and we have Mike Manzi take us to prom once again, a couple things that I always remind you of, that you could like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm always posting there. Of course, hit that subscribe button on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or of course you can listen to us at cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, and remember guys, a special prom wish from me. I don't need a corsage, I don't need to dance that final dance with you, what I would like is for you to either rate or review, I think it's called review, I don't know, write something about High School Slumber Party on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Be positive. Give us those five stars. And also, and more importantly, to my heart, to my heart on this beautiful, beautiful prom Friday, tell a friend about all the magic and love of High School Slumber Party. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do I always say? The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Plus, the limo's not even here yet. How the hell are we going to get to prom? In the meantime, while we're waiting, why don't I play uh, this interview I recorded with the foodie films man himself, Kyle. Kyle Reinfried. 
So he helped me with a little project for High School Slumber Party. Remember from me and Earl and the Dying Girl that I said I would post a video of a high school films that I used to make with my friends, Kyle being one of them? Well, Kyle helped me out, and if you go to our Instagram page, High School Slumber Party, you'll see a bunch of them. They're super, super awesome. Definitely check them out. But, you know, Kyle had some really funny comments, and I'm like, you know what? Let's hit the record button. I want to see what he has to say, and we got a little insight into his high school experience. So if you don't mind, I'm going to play this clip. So Kyle, I'm so glad to have you back and have you back on, because... Thanks. You were relaying something to me about something I posted that you helped me with, and I just wanted to, you know... I wanted to hash it out and talk about it, because I thought it was an interesting high school observation. So when I covered me and Earl and the Dying Girl with guest Shawnee Mead. I mentioned that you and I and a bunch of our friends had done some high school films, and we had a really, really fun time doing them. And I, I was hoping that we could, like, repost it, and it turned out to be a harder process than I thought, but I'm happy you went through the effort to kind of kind of save the footage, you know, if yeah, you will. I had a DVD that still worked. I think everyone that ever acted in one of the three films we made our senior year, I believe I gave them a DVD. I'm pretty damn sure. And, like, made a nice DVD case with a DVD cover. But I remember even, like, towards the beginning of that, some people were like, oh, mine's not working. So I don't know who has a functioning one. Point being, I do. And uh, it's called the Suburb Collection. It's Man of the House, Lost in Suburbia, and uh, Super Zeros. I'd like to point out Super Zeros won like six of seven or seven of eight awards. And to clarify that this was not a popular decision among... I mean, it was popular among the crowd because we won the Audience Award at the Old Japan Film Festival. And Super Zeros was the one that I shared on instagram just some clips from it people were getting a big kick out of it but uh our film teacher who shall remain nameless i don't think was too happy with us winning no uh i mean number one it's a high school film i mean i'm sure i mean films that are being made in i mean even back then obviously some high schoolers just had such better idea of how to make a film i mean the best part about any of our films were was your writing you always had a very clear uh you know (laughs) (laughs) idea of like the story you wanted to tell and me as sometimes the cinematographer director i still didn't like the same the film teacher that was in charge of the uh, festival he was a he was a really good analysis teacher he just wasn't a i mean he really didn't focus on production so i mean i i went to college and took like a film class and they taught us you know the rule of thirds and uh you know I was like, what, what's that? And it's a pretty basic thing that anyone that, you know, films should know. And it's just something very simple. As soon as you recognize, like, that makes a better shot, you just, you, you do that from then on. And just something that he did not teach us at all. So, like, I look at just the framing of some of the shots and I'm just like, oh, my God, there's so much headspace, yada, yada, yada. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, again, too- I know you're nitpicking it a lot. And I hope people don't judge your current film skills based on Super Zeros. But- no, they can judge me all they want. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but we had but, fun doing yeah, those movies. He, he- we had a blast. Yeah, exactly. It was some of the, I I think I wrote on Instagram or Twitter. It was like some of my favorite mem. I mean, I, I just always love being on a film set, but those are some of my favorite memories making films with you, Mike, Dow, and Nick, and just everyone that came together to support us and and help us and be in these films. Like you know, like none of us 
again, like, I mean, I'm not trying to toot your horn or anything like that. You were the closest to, like, an you know, you were on the improv team senior year. I mean, but none of us were actors. God knows I, you know, definitely tried to be in the films as little as possible. <laughs> I, think you, I think you, I think you had the knowledge to keep it that way in the screenplays as well. Uh, <laughs> and so I just, I, I'm just someone that, Oh boy, when it comes to my line delivery, it's just, I can, t- I can say it regular before camera, but, but then I, when cameras are rolling, it's just so like the cadence is just so awkward and <laughs> not the way that, I talk and um, yeah, I don't know if like the hamming is getting the best of me or, or at the same time, you know, I, I know I didn't want this on the record at one point, I think back uh, for your first episode. So I don't know if we've gotten into the whole Rocky trivia at Alamo, Alamo draft house, but like we have in places. Yeah. I think, I think at one point we did. Yeah, yeah exactly. Me freezing point being when like in front of people, like I don't know if it's like that realm. Point being, God awful in these three, like the worst <laughs> of everybody that's in any of the three films. I was probably the worst. But you've since gotten better with your foodie films videos. I think people are really enjoying them. So yeah, I mean, we've all yeah, gotten better that's... since high school, I would say. Yeah, it's just something like I I think I could read better like lines of dialogue that I have memorized from some of my favorite films better than like those I did at the time just because I I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to create any excuses. <laughs> I'm just very bad in them and then on top of that I I think what we're uh, alluding towards and where we're getting towards is just like well there's also there's special features that I did for the DVDs. And so I don't think in any of the films, but by the time we did the special features, which might've been like right at the end of our high school year, quite possibly right after we graduated, I have this horrible, (laughs) horrible, like looks like, I don't know, like a bad Abraham Lincoln, like dirty blonde like very thin like peach fuzz like shitty like fucking pube looking chin strap of a beard like i look like a really horrible like amish on a really named rumspringer uh, uh and, and you just... texted me about this and so i was i wanted to bring you on because i wanted to ask you are you talking about because i posted a video of you as a cop in one of uh, and Super Zeros, which again, yeah. Thank you for the Golden Globe. Are you talking about that video, or were you talking about in the special features? No, <sighs> that one's not close enough. I can't tell if I had that stupid one at the you, time. You have no. a chin strap there, but you're right. I couldn't see your face a lot. Yeah, exactly. No, there's these. There's the from the special features. Like it's like a medium tight shot of like each of us on like my parents' like living room couch where we're doing these. Like little interviews, like behind <laughs> so, the... so dumb, so much fun, so much fun. But like, but yeah, exactly. Who are they for? That's like we did, we did, we did audio commentary, and then we did, I did like a not a making of, but like all the bloopers, and we have an uh, an S- a former SNL cast member in in Super Zeros. Yeah, and I have him. John Raninsky yeah. was John in Raninsky. our films. SNL uh, for you. I Net- just recently watched his. Uh, uh, he had a stand up uh, for did four minutes on conan oh cool yeah i saw that and yeah. for you netflix fans out there no he was not in the kissing booth but he was in set it up which was one of the better netflix films i don't know if you've seen it kyle but lucy Liu and uh 
Oh, God. Why am I blanking on his name? Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs, sorry. Yes, Tay Diggs. Diggs. That's who we're thinking of. Tay Diggs Diggs is great. Yeah, no, set it up was great. I hope he gets to be in a high school film. Maybe he has, like, a wacky teacher or something, because then I'll definitely ask him to come on. You shouldn't have him on, I'll have him on foodie films. You, should, you, should, you know, I'll have to see if he's in any foodie scenes. <laughs> but let's get back to this chin strap, though, <laughs> because this is this is one of the big reasons you're on today. Okay. Um, like you said, you weren't a big fan of it. Can you like? No, me? at the time I was probably like, oh yeah, I'm growing facial. Hair. <laughs> like it's just it's so pathetic. But just very it. proud of the hair on my head, not the up. Uh, well, I guess that's technically my head too. <laughs> You know, okay. like my hair, Semantics. hair. Very yes. proud of that hair, but not proud of my facial hair at that time. <laughs> Just own it, though, because I think the High School Slumber Party audience, and probably the foodie film audience, and maybe even the Hoffman audience, well, I doubt the Hoffman audience, but I know for my show and your show, might appreciate a little, like, screen cap of it. A sc- I'm sorry, what do you mean? Let's share it. Let's share it on the social media. I want people to see this. Oh, from like the behind, from the, yeah, from the special features. That's your homework. Mm, I'm gonna <laughs> flunk. <laughs> Why not? Out there, it's horrible, Brian. It's really it's horrible. <laughs> it's god awful. Like it's really. But you, it's, come on, you can cl- very clearly grow a full beard. Why don't we do a before and after shot so people know <laughs> that you've that you've matured, uh, that your beardness has yeah. grown to I'm full a big potential. Boy now. Uh, Maybe I'll have to. I'll have to think about that. We'll have to convince you. We'll have to convince you. Yeah, there was a picture taken when we were hanging out over Memorial Day weekend that I posted on Foodie Films uh, that a that a friend took of me when I was like had a sparkler and a hot dog, and just in that it was like with the um, oh god what is it called on iPhone uh, the uh, uh, portrait mode mm-hmm. and just the p- picture that she took I was like damn my beard looks good <laughs> so well, then- yeah I'll have to I'll have to look at that a bunch and then just make you know. exactly just show people that. You can get better in life. That growing up isn't always bad. <laughs> in this show, like we look back at our high school times, and sometimes we're like, "Oh man, I miss those times." But yeah. there's some good parts about being an adult, like being able to grow a full beard. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's 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 true. And then, hey, some yeah, some people still still can't and live like the same. Now, I only so. posted the Super Zeros, but I think you'll at least have to share Man of the House, because there's some funny moments in that, too. Yeah, so... Super Zeros? Oh, yeah, I'll send you... Uh, Man of the House will definitely be easier, because it's, you know, like another 15-minute film, but Lost in Suburbia is a 40-something minute affair. It was over an hour, so I'd like to point out that when we were in high school, we directed a feature film. <laughs> uh, or created, I should say, all of us together. That we did, and you know, it was a blast, and I can't wait to share more, because I think people are really getting getting a kick out of them. They're getting a, a decent amount of Instagram views. Triple digits! <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so I was recently on... Foodie films on a new feature. What did you end up calling it? Uh, the the uh, short order sessions. Short order sessions. Yeah, and you know we talked about a bunch of fun things. My yerba mate lifestyle. I think people who listen to this show only think I'm into high school movies, and that's it. And trust me, it's a big part of my life now because it has to be. Not has to be. It's not like gun to the head. I'm doing this show, but I'm saying you know obviously there's a lot of prep and watching the films, but I enjoy other stuff like food, and that's what makes 
your show so enjoyable. And, you know, we talked a lot about some cool foodie stuff. Yeah, we got into the yerba, yerba mate, specifically the, help me pronounce it, guyaki. 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 Now, um, you know, they don't pay me for the sponsorship, but that just happens to be my favorite brand. No, no it's cool. I've gotten some good response from, like, the pictures I posted, like, the traditional, uh, like, drinking cup that we were talking about on that i'm sure it has a name that both of us don't know but we'll figure it out one day (laughs) listen to foodie films latest episode short order session exactly with yours truly we have a blast we talk about a bunch of fun things including a high school film which i'm not going to say what it is because that'll be your homework for next week guys but if you want a little clue of what next week's episode is going to be about Listen to foodie films and you'll know, or just listen to the rest of this episode because you'll find out at the end of this one. But, you know, <laughs> I, I will give you permission to pause right now and wow. listen to that episode. Listen to that. Listen. What a, what, a, what a selfless host. So, Kyle, today we're doing Prom Night 2. Oh, uh, yeah. the uh, Hello, Mary, Mary Lou. Prom Night Mary 2. Mary Lou, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm going to clue you in on, not to spoil the episode, guys, but um, you know, if you, got, if you guys know Mike Manzi, you're probably not surprised. Mike Manzi really enjoyed this film. Oh, it's a ridiculous, like, <laughs> silly film. I thought it was a little silly. I'm not a horror guy. But I was just going to ask you quickly, what are your memories of your prom? I didn't go to prom. Well, thank you, Kyle, so much for ha- having you on. It was great. <laughs> I just want you to say that. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, well, there. So I didn't go to junior. I didn't go to senior. Um, I don't know because I didn't talk to like girls, and I was afraid. I think I only asked. I. Th- <sighs> I mean, we also had winter cotillions, you know, and those were at our high school. Yeah. And I just I hated high school so much. Oh. That I. That I was just like. Why am I gonna pay to go to a place I hate going to five days a week and go on a day I have like I don't have to be there? Like I love the but you know like my friends are the only reason that like I stayed somewhat sane in high school. Like I I hate I really I hated high school. I hated every like everybody. And yeah, and I and I wasn't like <laughs> emo or goth, and you couldn't like tell that. But like people like made like my high school experience like horrible. Like I was bullied so much and thank god like i had my friends like, i really didn't have that in elementary school like middle school uh i didn't really have a good group of friends like i hung out with people but like it wasn't until high school that you know like as you know like mo- you know with the four towns combining like all of my friends i made were from old japan i was like oh finally i met some people like me uh and even out of that group i mean you know like i mean you definitely got along more with like like a bigger group of people. I mean, you just, you always had track. So you had like a good group. I mean, while I was friends with like, you know, Mike and Nick and Anthony who were on track, like you were friends with other people and you had a girlfriend in high school. So as far as like that, like that, that experience is like we had, you know, different experiences, uh, in just the social level that way. But yeah, I just, I didn't ask, uh, yeah, I really, I didn't, I didn't ask anybody to junior senior. I think I asked one person, once maybe to a maybe freshman could tell i really can't remember um that's I, okay i i I, re, I regret it in more of the junior problem because more friends went to that like not as many friends went to senior prom but i would have loved to gone down to seaside heights afterwards and experience that like realm of it more but 
I don't know. It was just, I mean, I, I mean, tr- I was also not a prick, but I was definitely shallow. <laughs> I didn't think, I also, I'm, it wasn't from a way, like, I could do better than this. I just, I was attracted to, like, the hot girls that totally were not in my league, and I wasn't in, in, into anybody else. Like, I learned, like, about a few girls that had, like, feelings for me, uh, like via like, then writing like in my yearbook for senior year, I'm just like, well, why didn't you, why didn't you say anything? And of course, then the dingus I am didn't do anything about that over the <laughs> summer. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it was just the uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was I was oblivious, and then God knows that chin strap didn't help. <laughs> like oh, the long hair was one thing. I'm sure yeah. you know back then because I you know please uh, I, I please ha- our, our audience begs of you. Give us the chin strap photo with the before and okay. after. I think we need it. And, you know, I appreciate you sharing your high school experience. I know I'm teasing a little, but I don't think that that's a strange high school experience. I think a lot of our listeners oh, no. have had just, such a similar experience, you know? Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I really, I really hated it. Like, it was just, <laughs> but, I, I always felt, and then people have disagreed with me, I thought we we went to a very cliche like the jocks were jocks like you know i know you know we're good guys too like i always said about like nick like thank god he was on our side <laughs> you know and uh yeah like i mean you know hey i was in the marching band i was in the you know did set construction running crew like i you know i did high school activities and i had again i had my great group of friends and sure like i mean I, but as far as gen eds, like I only liked history and pretty much like you know like US one US two. Uh, Mr. Morehouse was like one, a great teacher, um, I, although he you know um, wasn't a fan of our film. I re- at the time I really did admire my uh, film teacher um, and then, you know, my band teacher, Mr. Ebersol. He was just you know definitely you know we we had a little bit of a falling out at the end uh but that's just because i was a stupid teenager Um, (laughs) i hope that this show for you and the listeners can create a new high school experience because when i started it i was like let's redo high school by watching all these high school films and having a good time you know and yeah i don't know if i want to relive it but it's definitely cathartic redo it i mean okay the right way slumber party style I, I like it. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's good, at least. I mean, I, I've still yet to see a film that captures my high school experience, but I'll, also at the same time, that would be a very horrible, boring movie. So, um, <laughs> you know why? So I guess, because, because that's good. You know why? The girls who wrote in your yearbook, you should have, you, should have, uh, you know, made a move that summer, and you didn't. That would have been the perfect high school film plot. Yeah, that's true. Um <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Kyle, for stopping by again. And guys, again, check out Foodie Films, not just for that episode. You've had so many great people on. Again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll have you on again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for always having me. You guys know what that sound means. Here's the limo, ready to take us to the best night of our lives. Woohoo! Prom! So, pack your favorite tuxedo, tell your mom you're sleeping with Brian's, because we're going to crash at my place after prom. But first, I leave you with Ricky Nelson, a song from this film. I'm sure the title came from this song. Hello, Mary Lou. Class dismissed. Hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, heart, sweet Mary Lou. Oh,
This, uh, I don't know where to begin here today, Brian. This, is, this movie is insane. Insane. But that line, do you like sugar in your coffee? No, that stuff will kill you. It's, it's not the only thing out to get you in this movie. We've got haunted tiaras and chests filled with haunted wardrobe clothes and teen pregnancy and incest. Like, it's insane. What happened here today? Yeah, you know, we did prom night one last week, and I thought this might be like, as we were talking about last week, our our after prom trip to the shore, you know? <laughs> if anything, last week was junior prom, and this is senior prom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course, you know, the voice you're hearing is Mike Manzi. Why don't we get the introductions out of the way? Oh, quick. right, right, right. Um, Mike Manzi... Um... RHS class in 97. Go Maroons! Yeah, I don't know how long this episode will be, and I don't know how long, you know, we can sustain talking about this film. Oh, I could go on for... You mean, like, it's going to be a two-parter kind of thing? No, I don't think it'll be that long. (laughs) There's so much we could say, but not a lot we could process, if that makes sense. (laughs) I mean, this it's crazy how much of an assault this movie turned out to be, like, on... Like, even me, like, I'd seen it before, but I'd kind of forgotten about it because I'd seen, like, hundreds of movies since. It was, like, a couple years ago. Like, no joke. Like, go to my letterbox. I have problems. Um, But uh, re-watching it, I was just blown away. I was like, this is pretty much everything I love about 80s horror. It's campy. It's also taking itself serious at a level. Like... It's got crazy effects, like an insane story. It's pretty much Carrie meets Freddy Krueger. It almost feels very much like a nightmare on Elm Street, to be quite honest with you. And those movies are very sort of girl-centric also, like this film is as well. Gotcha. So, uh, I mean, it just was a blast to watch again. See, as a horror amateur, that's why I struggled with this film because I think you have to be knee deep in horror to enjoy this film. Like this can't be one of the 20 horror films you've ever seen, you know? No, no. <laughs> this is this is sort of like, you know, there's levels like uh mainstream cult and midnight movie type stuff. Like this is somewhere in the VHS bargain bin that <laughs> people f- sort of forgot about for 20 years and then somewhere someone, you know, probably got a 35 millimeter print and aired it at the draft house or something and just got a revival and i think that's how i found out i think joey co-founder joey told me about this movie and i put it on my october list of horror movies to watch and like i said last month you know i watched prom night one and two and uh yeah that's when i discovered it and oh boy like it's (laughs) gonna be i think it's gonna be on heavy rotation for a while wow wow (laughs) that's interesting so again the movie is prom night two in the theater it was called Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. But yes. when it was shot, it had nothing to do with the Prom Night series. Wow, really? Yeah, so it was shot and written and done everything as The Haunting of Hamilton High. Oh, cool. I kind of like that. You know, it's an- another Canadian film. We said Prom Night 1's Canadian. This is also Canadian, but this was shot in Edmonton. Okay. Um, and the, the producer and the original director, they pretty much like did this film, and then they got distribution from the same company that distributed 
prom night and they were like hey hamilton high that's the name of the high school in prom night we can capitalize <laughs> off this but oh. here's the deal you're gonna have to do some reshoots huh which is funny because they did reshoots but they never mentioned the stuff that happens in prom night one in the reshoots so do you know what those reshoots are because they did the same thing happen for the original where they're like we like this movie but we need to sort of amp up you know the mystery yeah yeah um, i mean i have some clues to what they were i mean there's some spectacular death sequences in this. <laughs> like they're so imaginative and creative and that's why it reminded me more of like nightmare on elm street i don't know you know i know you're sort of not familiar with a lot of horror and stuff but this came out around the time of elm street 3 which was dream warriors i, th- I think <laughs> and then like that's when freddie sort of really came into his own and developed his sense of humor and and the effects got like really crazy and cool and this feels so much like that movie in a lot of ways that i wonder if you know they were either capitalizing off of that franchise somehow or you know it was just a coincidence but i guess you know, no, that definitely pulls from that. It's mentioned a lot here, like in, in the uh, trivia and the notes. But okay, so the screenwriter, his name was Ron Oliver. And for some reason... John they, Oliver? No, <laughs> Ron Oliver. And for some reason, the uh, maybe because the director was pissed off or something, but the executive producer, the one who decided to make a prom night, tasked him with reshooting the, uh, the scenes, not the original oh. director. Like, once I tell you the scenes that were added, you'll okay. be like, oh, okay, because they're all the similar ilk. Okay. So it was the nude locker room scene. Oh, man. So what well, we talked about last week, and that one feels so much more... Uh, decent, then this this is the most gratuitous <laughs> sort of locker room nudity thing I've ever seen. But okay, the rocking horse with the tongue, all those. Elements. Oh, that is. I'm so glad they added that. That is one of the, my favorite moments. And later on, we'll talk about her sitting on the rocking horse or the uh, the carousel horse. And then the third one was the chalkboard scene. Just incredible. Just incredible. <laughs> like I don't even know. Like oh man, they're so good, so good. That just came out of nowhere i was so happy so ron oliver actually asked he called up wes craven because he had never directed anything there you go when he did these reshoots and he's like hey they want me to spice up the movie and make it seem like it was more in the universe of the original prom night he just gave him one line of advice give them a scare give them a hard-on send them home (laughs) (laughs) wes craven Oh my god, is that his epitaph? (laughs) And you know, in the added scenes, that makes sense. Yeah, he did exactly that. That's crazy. (laughs) That's too funny. I was pretty shocked about the nudity in this, to be honest with you. It didn't seem like it was going for it, and then now that you mention it, it feels very out of place in the rest of the movie. (laughs) But you liked it. I mean, not not because of the nudity. You liked those added scenes. Yeah, I mean, that definitely developed character more, I'll tell you that much. Like, you absolutely get the sense that she's no longer Vicky, but she is Vicky Lou at that point, which, you know getting too far ahead but she is not herself (laughs) anymore and definitely loved the just bizarreness of her seeing her horse like come alive and all the other just like hallucinations that she's having yeah no no. and and we'll get into it a couple other things um the similarities to prom night one i mean they're not too many but Another thing that it seems like the producer caught on to is they wanted to use the tagline as well. It's not who you go with, it's who you take home. Or who takes you home, sorry. Oh yeah, she says that, right? In the, yeah, uh, which opening. is in the original prom night as well. But that's completely 
coincidental. Oh, cool. I was almost destined to be prom night. <laughs> uh, okay, so another uh, similarity. I just want to get these out of the way so we can dive no, into it. totally. I don't know. Do you know who Josh was in this film? You might need um, to help me with names on this. So Josh is, is Vicky's boyfriend, right? Whose father is Michael Ironside, who is Bobby, who is the principal, who was the guy who accidentally murders Mary Lou at the prom because she cheats on him in the back room, <laughs> right? Like that all went down? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. So long. Is that short, Josh? Though, or are you sure? I'm almost positive because that's what that's what happens. Is like Mary Lou possesses Vicky to get at Michael Ironside, and then discovers he's got a son, and that Vicky was dating him, and then it's like, okay, I'm gonna just like trap him in my wardrobe at the end. You know, the whole thing comes to that conclusion because i didn't so, you know i didn't really know what their names <laughs> oh yeah yeah i started jotting down names just because i don't usually so it's like i better try and keep up okay. this time so josh is played by an actor called brock simpson who's actually in the first prom night wow and that was also coincidental he plays huh. one i think he plays the boy in the first prom night the one you know oh so he's like all grown up now yeah yeah he oh that's cool Oh, sorry. He's not the boy who runs away. He's like the boy. I just looked it up. He's the boy who's like, um, you know, okay, there's the boy that's the killer in the end. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Guys, as a little boy. Well, if you listen to last week, (laughs) if you did your homework, (laughs) but he's not that boy. He's the other boy in the group who's like one of the people yelling, kill, kill. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I like that. And you'll enjoy this, Mike. A little trivia for your episode quick plug there oh he's gonna be he's apparently and again i haven't seen prom night three yet he's apparently in every prom night except the newest remake oh awesome as a different character yeah oh that's really cool i like that (laughs) and then i don't know maybe you can help me with this but apparently mary lou comes back in one of the prom nights later i don't know i've not seen three or four yet i've not seen the remake yet this is as far as i've gotten i guess we'll see I guess we'll see. Yeah, she kind of gets away in the end, you could say, so I could see her coming back. <laughs> okay, so I could already tell you're going to have to help me along with this one. Being a, okay. a horror film novice, a lot of WTF moments for me. <laughs> I mean, even for me, to be quite honest, like, still a lot of like, holy shit. Okay, so let me read the back of the... I couldn't find a back of a VHS, but I found a back of a DVD. So really? Here goes. Okay. It's like a Brian De Palma movie for slasher fans. In, <laughs> in 1957, Hamilton High School's prom queen got flambeed. Wow. (laughs) Now she's back, and she's burning mad. (laughs) It's been 30 years since bad girl Mary Lou Maloney was accidentally torched by her ex-boyfriend Bill Nordhan, just before she was about to become prom queen. Bill is now Hamilton High's principal, and his son Craig is dating this year's hopeful queen, good girl Vicky Carpenter. When Vicky finds an old dress perfect for the prom, trouble begins. Mary Lou's spirit possesses Vicky's body, and a torrent of fury is unleashed on everyone in town. With or without a tiara, Mary Lou is going to make prom night hot. Wow, so one thing I gleamed off that is I was wrong, is that Craig is the son. Okay, okay, so So who's Josh? Josh is the guy in science class making the potato clock, talking about guacamole radios and things. That goes out with Monica, who is Vicky's jerk friend, right? She's like, I don't know why no one asks me out. And then this guy's like, Monica, can I talk to you for a second? She's like, drop dead, freak. And she's like, I just don't get it. (laughs) So there are like, even though they're not on purpose, there are similarities there, right, to the original prom night Mm -hmm. in terms of like frenemies. Well, also like a past 
thing that comes back to haunt, like an I know yeah. what you did last twenty Even years though, ago. Yeah, and it wasn't the kid's fault this time; it was the father's fault. But also, but he was still a teen, and he was a teen. Yeah, yeah he was a teen. teen. Yeah, but it was also something that I found funny. Um, both films have a, a parent who also works as the, at the school. Yeah, which... yeah. There, uh, Leslie Nielsen was the principal, and Jamie Lee was the daughter. Yeah. yeah. Even though it wasn't intended to be a sequel, like there are so many weird similarities. I don't know if you picked up on this, and this was in the trivia too, and you'll know this more than me. It's not a parody, obviously, but they, as you alluded to, they wrote it as a tribute to a lot of horror films, and almost Mm. everyone's last name in the film is a horror film director. Um, I mentioned, I think Craven was in there, in the Mm -hmm. thing I just mentioned. So apparently people's last names in the film are Craven, King, Romero, Browning, Dante, Carpenter, (laughs) Waters and Henenlotter. I, I mean, look, I don't know horror films. That's funny because uh, that reminds me of Night of the Creeps, which is like a that's more of a full on parody horror movie, but like it goes the same direction. Like everyone has a last name like that. So I love that. That's how I kind of know, you know, that this is made with a lot of heart and that they are just there to have like a lot of fun. And I think it works, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I know you aren't quite at this level yet, I guess, of horror per se, you know? But And I do feel like this is jumping in not just the deep end, but like a whole other pool, kind of. Like you said, like this is sort of taking from a lot of the more well-known stuff, and it's like a mashup. But I'm just amazed how well it works just because of, you know, the, the how well like you could just take any of these different sort of tropes and throw them together and it comes out the other end and it's a lot of fun. So uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, there are not a lot of critical scores. I don't think a lot of critics saw it at the time, but it got 36% from the critics. And the audience score was, with a lot of reviews actually, almost 8,000 reviews from the audience, is a 37%. So it's pretty close to that original 11 not a very popular film, Mike. So you're going to have to be defending it here to those who, who hate it. Well, it's one of those situations where it's not like a conventional good film, quote unquote. <laughs> like, you know, because A, it's a low budget Canadian horror film that is, it's like schlock. I don't know. I, I just, But it just, it works so well if you can just give it a try. I, I don't know. But I understand why it has a low score. Like, this would get dismissed so quickly. It's like, first off, Prom Night 1, you know, all you really remember from that is the disco. So it's like, you're going to make a sequel to that movie? What do you got? Like, more disco? Like, it's, that whole age is over. So, I, I mean, it's a sequel to a not very successful horror movie in the first place seven years later, like, which is, an, <laughs> which is an eternity. I mean, especially back then in the 80s when, like, movies just came out so much slower. Uh, and there were just so many, there were just less movies coming out. So I, I understand that low score, but I mean, I love this movie. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, though, like, except to sort of get into, like, reasons, like, little moments why, but, like, overall, like, uh, yeah, I would, I'll defend this. <laughs> On that note, let's just dive into this and, you know, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's see what, what comes out the other end, as you said. Usually I go through the actors, but, I mean, you mentioned Michael Ironside. What is he from? Yeah, he's pretty much the... And I don't know that he was necessarily a star. I mean, he's just an amazing character actor that I've followed through the years. He, okay. Pro, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, oh. Scanners. Uh, he was just in... We reviewed him in Top Gun over on Tom Tom. I mean, Club I've seen recently. all these films. I, I guess I didn't recognize him. 
I'm sure he usually, now. Yeah, like he usually plays more of a villainous type guy or like a hard ass or, you know, like a badass. It was, this isn't generally the, his type of role. I was very surprised that he was able to pull off this sort of meek, confused, principle like losing his mind i'm more used to seeing him as a character in control you know yeah okay i mean maybe that's why i didn't recognize him like you said it's a different role for him the young guy playing him is spot on though like that was great (laughs) (laughs) apparently that young guy has played a young michael ironside in other films really be crazy if it was like his son or something i think recently there was something where like maybe it was even in like a marvel movie where someone played their own father or something like black panther like the guy who plays black panther's dad played him as like a younger version or something in the opening i don't know it's really cool when they do that though and you can like cast your own yeah son or daughter well as like your younger self famously now james gandolfini's son is gonna play tony soprano oh. a young tony soprano in the new whatever it's called, Newark or whatever. But okay, so so I looked it up. The actor's name is Steve Atkinson, and he also plays a younger version of him in some film called Minefield from 1989. Okay. I don't All know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Scanners ripoff, which he was great in, but <laughs> I could be totally wrong. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Any other actors you recognized from this cast at all? No, not a single one. Not at all. And that was what was kind of fun about it, too, is like, you know, aside from Michael Ironside, who isn't doing what I normally know him to do in this, so I'm intrigued by it, like, I'm not distracted by anyone else, you know? It's not like there's just, like, a Jamie Lee Curtis hanging out or, you know, a Johnny Depp in the corner or anything, which was, like, quite common, you know? Like, Johnny Depp got his start in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, like, Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th. Even uh, so, like, Jennifer Aniston in, like, Leprechaun, right? Right, yeah. It wouldn't have been you know, uncalled for, but I guess they got, they they were just, it was more of a Michael Ironside gig, I guess, more (laughs) than anything. But I appreciated that. Like, I appreciated just not recognizing any of these kids from anything else and still not knowing if they went on to do stuff. Apparently, the only other person, like, I found with a, a pretty big resume was Craig, actually, and he's in a lot of the Saw films, apparently. Oh, okay. And like you said, he's in all the Prom Nights except for the remake. No, 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 no. That's not the one who's in all the Prom Nights. Josh, <laughs> some, Josh yeah, is in so all the backwards. Prom Nights. I get jo- Why am I getting Josh and Craig so confused? <laughs> like, the characters and the actors. I can't keep them straight tonight. Sorry, listeners. Um, yeah, I don't know about those Saw films. I saw one and a half. Halfway through the second one, uh, even for me, Brian, which I'm like, those are just not my bread and butter whatsoever. I'd say the first one is interesting and it's still very intense. And I think, you know, it's about as hardcore as I need to go. So just, you know, putting that out there. People actually really liked, and she doesn't really have like an, um, in a clickable IMDB or, or she does, but it's not like big, uh, the, Wendy Lyon, who played Vicky, people really liked her performance. People who were like, were shitting on the film actually recognized her as it being, like one of the more positive things about the film. Yeah, I think she's a strong actor, actress. Like she has to play the dual roles, right? She has to do Vicky and then she has to become Mary Lou and you really have to we don't get a lot of time. All we really know about Mary Lou is that she's super promiscuous, right? And like she's going to cheat on her boyfriend. A lot of slut shaming like, in this film. She tells the priest in the opening confession about how she likes to fool around with boys and she's not ashamed of it and all that. And it's the 50s and stuff. So <laughs> it's like extra, you know, confessionally 
confession stuff. But yeah, like I think she's great. Like she definitely works in this movie. I was very shocked that she was going to do full frontal as well. Like that just kind of, I was like, all right, like she's kind of fearless. She's going to do whatever just for this, you know, low budget movie. That's great. And everyone is really sort of pulling their own in this one. A lot of people drew comparisons to her performance and Blue Velvet and other David Lynch things. Oh, okay. uh, something I thought just from this podcast that this film reminded me of, and I'm reading reviews now, and someone else agreed. It kind of, obviously not the same genre, but kind of has like a Peggy Sue got married thing, you know, almost opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's reverse Peggy Sue got married. There is that that '50s nostalgia kind of vibe with Mary Lou, with the principal, with definitely that opening prom sequence. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Could you imagine if that was a horror movie? Like she goes <laughs> back and like goes crazy from traveling through time. I think another comparison too, and I, you know, that came out, you know, close to around the same time. I mean, you know, a couple years apart, but in Peggy Sue Got Married, they obviously use that Buddy Holly song a mm-hmm. lot. And in this one, they use whatever. I don't know who does it, but like this Mary Lou song a lot. It's Ricky Nelson, right? Okay. Um, I just remember when Pulp Fiction came out, I bought like a Ricky Nelson cassette. I loved them. I don't know. I just like fell in love with that tape. And I remember this song off of it. And so I thought I started singing along when it showed up in the movie. But I thought for sure they were going to use it way, 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 way more and then I was really shocked about, like, you know, last week talked about how they couldn't get the rights to any of the disco they wanted, so they had to, like, make up their own stuff. And <laughs> this one, they're using all this licensed music at the prom and everything. I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive, too. That really set a nice mood. Maybe they, uh, I don't know, maybe they, like, after it was picked up by the big production company, they were like, okay, let's use music now. And like, maybe they used all the oh, Prom Night One call. money. Because Prom Night One actually made money, hmm. um, especially considering it's low budget. This one did not. <laughs> well, you know what might have been happening, too, is people were rediscovering Prom Night on VHS around this time. Oh, that's that, true, know? yeah. And so the distributors or the producers are probably like, hey, it's like selling like hotcakes or whatever, and like people are renting Prom Night. Let's give them another one if we can. It's like, wow, look at this. Like... They basically made Prom Night 2, and they didn't even realize it. <laughs> like, let's just change the title and send it out there. And it's funny, right? Because in the pre-internet days, if you kiddies can remember that, it, when you went to Blockbuster and you saw a good movie you liked, you saw the se- sequel right next to it, and maybe the next week you rent the sequel because you're like, I liked this yeah. one. Let me see what this one's like. You know, almost cold yeah. turkey. It's so weird right. to think of that era. Like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> now we but look up a, everything, but that's how it was. That's true. Like, you wouldn't even, I mean, like, there was so much direct-to-video stuff, you know, especially with, like, that Leprechaun thing. It's pretty funny. Like, we would go in, and, like, two weeks later, there's a Leprechaun 2. And then, like, you know, <laughs> a year later, there's a th- It's like, what is going on? There's a 3, and then a 4, and then a what? And it's like, yeah. And you're like, I gotta it check cool. this out. <laughs> All right, so, you know, the first scenes, scenes you mentioned, we get to learn, like, who Mary Lou is. Like I said, a lot of slut-shaming being done. I don't want to say slut-shaming in a sense like we're supposed to be sympathetic towards Mary Lou. They just created a character who just, like, she's in the confessional, you know, she's like, you know, I had relations, and I loved every minute of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and the priest is like, what? <laughs> they created, uh-huh. like, like an evil sex demon, like, before she's even Well, dead. yeah, I mean, that's what she's going to become, pretty much, by the end. <laughs> yeah, you can't say yeah. she's, like, a very, like, 3D 
fleshed out character, you know? No, but I still think it's good shorthand because they have to sort of create this legend. You know, it's like with Freddy. Like, all you really know is that he was possibly a child molester that the parents chased down and burned alive and now he's haunting their dreams and getting revenge on the parents by getting the kids and killing the kids and stuff and so this has a very similar vibe where it's like all you really need to know about mary lou is that she's this unfaithful whore basically and she doesn't give a shit about like anybody's feelings like really like anybody's feelings um, yes, and a very nicely that, written w- woman character, wouldn't you say? No, I'm not <laughs> saying it is. I'm saying, like, as a villain, if you're trying to create a ghost or a malevolent spirit or some kind of cursed entity in a horror movie, like, this is a... And you don't have any time, really. You have, what, they have ten minutes here, five maybe. She gets two scenes, the confessional and then the prom, and then she's burned alive. Now, she definitely does not deserve to get burned alive <laughs> at the prom. I'm not saying that. And they do treat it like an accident, too, which I think was clever. But it is sort of a good recipe for, you know, this dark sort of vengeful spirit getting trapped in her prom tiara to get awakened, you know, 30 years later or whatever. Yeah, and you mentioned it, um, Michael Ironside, well, the younger version of him, He's her date, and mm-hmm. she ends up hooking up with the guy who becomes Father Cooper, right? Yes, he grows up to be the new priest. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> and uh, obviously, Bill, Billy at the time, gets pissed, and he sees some like hooligans who are going to light a stink bomb above the prom queen, and he essentially does it instead and lights it on fire and lights her on fire. Which apparently that was like one of the most intense fire scenes on camera up to that point. It is so long yeah, and crazy. in length and, specifically. Yeah, and drawn out and just horrific. Like, yeah, they really sort of juiced it up because it's, you know, real quickly over on Too Fast, Too Forever, I just finished up my lap over there. And one of the questions they, they asked me, and I hope I'm not overstepping any boundaries by revealing this question, but the episode's out by now. But they asked me, you know, would you rather freeze to death underwater or burn alive and i picked burned alive because it seemed to be the faster cooler looking death and now i'm not so sure like this drags on and is just mortifying and uh really cool and awesome and all that kind of stuff for a horror movie yeah it certainly like starts us off with a tone and i actually like one of the things i did like about it is how we jump to I don't want to say the future, but presumably around 1987, right? Mm-hmm. And how the character of Vicky, like, she comes from a very strict religious home. Yes. You know, I like the character of Vicky. That's like one of the, you know, I don't want to say one of the few things I like, but something I really, really uh, connected with. You know, we said her performance was good. A- anything in these early scenes before the possession will say that stuck out for you yeah so this is the this is really the the carrie stuff where i don't know if you've seen that yet but she's got a very domineering well her mom in that movie is like this religious zealot in this movie you know the mother is in charge and the father is very meek and under the thumb and can't even like start a conversation at dinner without getting side-eyed and stuff and like you know she definitely is just like running shit uh, and I like how Vicky is like, you know what, mom? Like, I'm going to just do what I want. Like, I don't care. Right? She's like, I'm going to get the dress I want. I'm going to do what I want. I don't care if you're going to help me. 
but she, um, but she's not like was... in a super super defiant way. It's more like a headstrong way, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, she's. Um, I'm, it's hard. Let's see. It's it's a really interesting dynamic, you know, because you would think like at the end of the first scene, the mom was gonna slap her in the face for talking back to her. Like it's like that. Like that's how it comes across. But yet, like she steps aside and Vicky leaves to go to school and. Even the mom's like, oh, that boy who's picking you up. And Vicky's like, yeah, my boyfriend. Like, you know, yeah. almost like get with it. Like, <laughs> you know, these are the new times. It, it was interesting to set up sort of the uh, generation gap, I guess, which is going to really, you know, come into play later when, when Vicky becomes Mary Lou and regresses to like a 1950s version of a teenager. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. I did a film recently where someone seemed to be turning into a 1950s teenager. and now I can't... Oh, uh, Christine. Oh, Christine, duh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <when> the... <laughs> oh, man. Be a lot of fire That's in that, right. too. Huh. Yeah. I'm seeing a, a trend and in, like... A lot of doo-wop and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, again, I haven't seen too, too many horror films, like, compared to a lot of people on the network. But th- they seem to have these... Uh, these these things in common, which is very funny. Well, I think what's cool about like the eighty stuff, and I guess you can chart this somehow in some way. It might be a little tougher now because there's more influence. But these are the people who grew up in the fifties. Yeah, and stuff, absolutely. Right? So they're trying to sort of integrate that into their storytelling, and that's just you know a part of themselves that they're feel bringing to this. So, like you know Stephen King, Wes Craven, like those dudes. Like at the time, they're just harkening back to where they grew up and stuff. I mean, look, we had Captain Marvel recently go back to the 90s. I think like 10 years ago, yeah. people were going back to the 80s a lot. This is just what happens, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so now we're going to high school, Brian. Yeah. This is really your area. And this is what's expertise. kind of bullshit. Like, uh, yes, it's called Hamilton High, but it's clearly not the same building as <laughs> as uh, Prom Night 1. Oh, well, you would have even thought after the fiasco of Prom Night in the first movie, they'd have renamed it something else, <laughs> like to get it off the map or switch it up, because who wants to go to like Haunted Hamilton High anymore? Well, I, that's to me, like, this is schlocky enough that if you're going to do the reshoots, I really wish they mentioned it. They're like, you know, we had this death in 1957, and then seven years ago, all these kids died at prom. What's wrong right. with this school kind of thing, you know? <laughs> They needed the crazy janitor to be like, this This school's due for a killing. <laughs> would that really ruin this film? Like like I said, it's schlocky no, enough where no. that, that, to me, would have worked. So I was kind of disappointed that that didn't happen. You know, um, I think that we're just at a different level of sophistication now with like the MCU and all this stuff going on and like people <laughs> trying to link things backwards, you know, through other films Fair. and doing prequels. Like at the time, they just probably didn't have the mental capacity to work on that like wavelength to, to think of how hard to really link something to, to create an Easter egg, as it were. I don't know how much, you know, their Easter eggs are like you said, like the last names of the characters are all like famous horror directors or writers or stuff like that. Yeah. So, so as you, you kind of mentioned it too, like um, that first classroom scene with, I guess that's Josh, and he's like doing the potato <laughs> clock. Super creepy. That's when, that was the first moment where I was like, well, I guess like the second moment. Like this is so much more supernatural, obviously, than Prom Night 1, which... 
Mm-hmm. I don't think there was any really supernatural element in the first prom night. No, and I think that was part of my complaint, right? Is how I felt like the, the dead sister maybe could have jumped into the body of the younger brother. When <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like a little compla- complaining about that. Yeah, But certainly tone-wise, too, I noticed that it was completely different when, like, when he's just doing his potato clock demonstration. And like, you know, I tried to make a guacamole oh, radio, sorry. I tried to make a guacamole radio, but, you know, I only got signals from Mexico. You know, and it's played like completely deadpan, not as a joke. <laughs> like th- this one definitely has a different tone, though. You know, I like a good classroom dynamic. I like a good classroom setup. I mean, what do you think of the overall high school dynamic in this film before we get into the scary stuff? So I noticed that it's very different than the last movie, which remember I was like, wow, it just feels like we're breaking for an episode of like high school TV show right now. And then, you know, you're not even going to sort of deal with the killer that much. uh, And it's all going to be sort of backloaded. And I feel like this is kind of the opposite. Like we don't really get as much high school as I think I wanted. Like, there's a lot of characters to cover, right? There's a lot of girls running for prom queen, and there's a lot of geeks and dorks in the hall that we're following, right? There's not only Josh, but isn't there, there's also, like, Computer Boy later on and stuff, and the guy who's, like, trying to rig... Or is that Josh again? I think that's Josh. Josh. See, I was confused, Holy right? Holy moly. I think this that's Josh. Insane. Yeah. Why else so, would it be somebody else? Like, why, you know? That just goes to show, like, I'm I'm getting a little more confused, you know? Like, I don't want to spend as much time as we did last week with these kids, but I need a little more time. Like, especially... Who is it? The one girl... Jess, right? Like... They really try to cram a backstory and, like, all this stuff into Jess by being like, oh, she's, like, what's wrong with Jess? What's wrong with Jess? And you find out she's pregnant. And the guy is, like, a, a big asshole and, like, just blew, blew her off and everything. Love her hair, by the way. But then she's, like, immediately murdered. Like, even before, really, like, the spirit of Mary Lou is released or, like, right about as it's released, like... There's no reason for her to go after Jess except for like a warm-up kill or something like that. Well, she I, and she don't get me wrong, the, like she it's takes cl- the uh, the jewel out of her crown. Okay, so she's walking around looking for something to wear to prom in the in the uh, stage area, and she takes the the haunted tiara apart. And I guess that's what unleashes. Yeah, and you can't be mean to Mary Lou or Vicky, or else it's kill the spirit will kill you. So she unwill. But like, I have an issue with the idea. Not so much that she unwillingly or unwittingly unleashed this upon herself, but just that it it happened right after we found out like her problems and stuff. So well, like, yeah. we don't get to really spend any time with anybody. Isn't it funny? Like she's one of the most developed characters, and it like you said, she's out. You know, so quickly. <laughs> And her her death scene is hilarious, too. Like, it is so, like, in contrast to the tone that they just established for her, because she's, like, dragged across the floor toward one of those giant paper-cutting things that's, like, a, basically a machete attached to, like, a plank of wood yeah, by, like, that, like, teachers would just let us use, like, all day long. Like, what were they thinking? And the ghost is like, nah, I'm not going to decapitate her with that. And then, like, wraps her up by the neck and hangs her in the middle of the room and then is like, nah, I'm not satisfied with that. And eventually just throws her out of a three-story window or something and is like okay she's finally dead now i'm not saying it, it wasn't like entertaining or anything but i'm just saying like it just felt like too early for that particular character but we're off and running then because like once that ghost is out of the box like it's just madness for the rest of the movie i'm, I'm not so upset that it 
that it's happening soon is just I wish like maybe it happened to someone who wasn't important you know like it just felt like Jess was going to be important that maybe she was going to survive a lot longer and that maybe you know there was just more there to to discover yeah no I agree I guess where do we go from here we just I guess we just go into well okay I'll ask you this don't you think it was a little weird that this girl was burned alive um I, I guess we can chalk it up to the magic of the film that her dress is like intact and all that other stuff is intact right like that would probably be the first thing to go but but then they kept it in a trunk at the school (laughs) yeah i guess they don't really understand what like yeah you just throw that out right or give it to the family don't like the family and it's weird too because in the beginning like there's a, a picture of what might be half of her skull sort of there too like resting next to the chest but no, I, I mean, that, look, I agree, but who whoever could predict that a prom dress was going to be haunted, you know? Like, I don't think they've ever considered that before. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, but it's not, a like, what sick sicko took a prom dress off a dead girl and say, hey, let's use this as a prop for our art and theater department. <laughs> yeah, I think what they should have maybe done is cut some of the stuff that had to do with what seemed to be, like the theater, you know, class or something. Like, I didn't understand, you know, I understand, like, Jess, maybe she's, like, a theater student and she's like, oh, I'm going to pick out something cool to wear to prom from all of our wardrobe stuff and everything like that. But why did the spirit of Mary Lou get trapped in that wardrobe. I understand she's in the tiara, but did, how did the tiara survive the fire? And yeah, it is very strange that, I don't know, you know, I don't think you're supposed to be thinking about that kind of thing, but it is awkward. But again, I mean, I think the confusion is fun. <laughs> it, it just adds t- for me to like the madness, I guess. But I again, I can understand why it's bothering people. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest i think if i was more used to the language of horror films i wouldn't be analyzing things like this you know there you go yeah it's mm -hmm. there's even a moment in the movie where one of the kid kids is like where they're like what's wrong with mary lou and someone's like well maybe they're maybe she's possessed and they all kind of blow it off and i feel like that is a great joke there like more of that kind of stuff i don't know yeah they even mentioned what's her name the actress in the exorcist oh linda blair yeah right. they're like oh full linda blair or something like that in the film what there's a here? lot of stuff like going on now with with um vicky where she's like slowly becoming possessed by mary lou and i'm not exactly sure why she's chosen to get possessed but she like wanders around to the cemetery and stands in front of mary lou's grave we get introduced to the priest who we find out is the ex-boyfriend from like the 50s. And then one of my favorite moments that happens like three or four times is that Vicky is sort of like walking through the halls and she enters like the spirit realm, yeah. like the upside down. And that was awesome. Like that was real Nightmare on Elm Street type stuff. And that was really cool. And, and like one of her hallucinations I wrote down is um, the, oh, what's her name? The other girl. Uh, oh, Ke- Jess? Wait, I think we're getting There's all the names confused. Monica? <laughs> There's Kelly. There's a Kelly? Oh, Kelly with the polka dots, right? I, 
Kelly's the one she slaps. Okay. Remember, she th- like Mary Lou, she has a hallucination that she's next to Mary Lou in class, and she just smacks her in the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a hard slap, too. That was a real slap. You know, I'm reading the notes here, and it says that Kelly is her rival. Kelly is the rival? So Kelly <sighs> is the one in the polka dots. Yeah, th- 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 I just want to be clear, yeah. Okay. Kelly's the one who, who talks to Josh about the computer thing. and, and Right, and, later at the end, she's going to try and... and get him to change the votes by going down on Okay, okay. (laughs) Now, I just, again, I'm so confused with these character names. Like, I want to be clear, it wasn't confusing while watching. Like you said, it was like polka dot girl, big hair girl, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's easy to visually keep track of, you know? And I think that's more of what it's really going for. I think it does a really good job with that as well. You know, I'm not saying it's great, but I love it. And I'm willing to accept all the other shortcomings because of, like, they go so far with, like, all of, like, the the creative inventive deaths and stuff and i I just never expected you know prom night to uh (laughs) to to be this cool and then as she's getting you know possessed it's it's taking over her more and more unless there's a scene i'm missing there's that church murder oh there's a bunch of stuff wait when she throws the guy like when she kills the priest yeah oh so that doesn't happen for a while i feel Okay, so, you know, you enjoyed this film. What scenes tickled you? <laughs> well, she's, like, hanging out in a room, and this is when, like, the carousel okay. horse, like, looks at her and, like, sticks its tongue out or something, and, like, things in her room start haunting her, and it's really crazy stuff. There's even, like, um, she hallucinates again. She goes back to the Upside Down when they're playing volleyball, and she gets, like, stuck oh, yeah. in that volleyball web. And then... And, web. and, of course, the chalkboard. I should have mentioned that one. That's it. That's when she gets full-on possessed, is, like, she sees, like, a little help me written backwards on the chalkboard, and then, like, arms come out of the chalkboard, and it turns all, like, liquid and everything, and, like, oh, my God, that looks so cool. Like, I, I don't know, man. That looked great. Like, that was, that was such a cool visual thing like if they feel like they pulled that off so well oh. i feel like that's something you would screw up so easily with cgi today and they used like clever camera tricks yeah to get it no done. i thought that was actually really cool sorry i mentioned the priest not because of the murder but she goes to him originally and is kind of implying that she's possessed and that's when we learn yes. that the priest is buddy kind of and that and he, right. he that's when he goes and warns the father a little bit like Oh, yeah, they have their little reunion. And Michael Ironside is, like, freaking out left and right now because he's getting, like, bad vibes and he has a suspicion that something is going on and, like, there's some just great shots of him... Um, just kind of like, you know, not saying anything, but just looking like he's freaking out. Yeah, <laughs> and he's fully using, and then um, the priest buddy, whatever, is fully using or trying to use the power of religion and your classic, like, the exorcist stuff to try to, to try to get the spirit out of our world. And, you know, you have, like, the Bible burning, you know. There's a, there's a <laughs> lot of those elements. And like you said, Michael Ironside is completely paranoid and scared. And I thought, he, like, his facial reactions in this film are pretty... I know they're schlocky, but they're pretty cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it helps that he has a very sort of distinct look to him as well. Yeah. Well, he doesn't really look like anybody else. And second of all, I always felt that his resting face was always sort of, like, imposing. Like, without trying to, he looks not mean, but, like, or scary, but, like, kind of just 
I don't know, like tough or something. And so to see him break down and like almost cry or whatever, just like lose it is really interesting and like really works for me knowing him as like such a different type of actor. I just can't believe like everyone's like bringing it so hard to Prom Night 2. I mean, they didn't know it was Prom Night 2 at the time. (laughs) I mean, just just this type of like horror movie and stuff. Like you said, bringing it is a good word for it because... People are going hardcore. <laughs> it feels intense. Yeah, like, we're getting to the point where she, like, goes to the confessional and confesses as Mary Lou and kills the priest. And we find out, like, buries the priest in her old grave. Like, Michael Ironside will go dig up Mary Lou's grave. Which is what? <laughs> <laughs> well, to make sure she's that the body's still in there. But, like, what did they bury? Like, she was... She was cremated on stage, like, what's in the coffin? And sure enough, like, the priest is now in the coffin. (laughs) She pulled the old Mary Lou switcheroo at some point. Yeah, yeah, woo, that was tough. You know, we get a a lot of our added scenes. Okay, the scene you're talking about with the horse, is that when she's in that long shirt? So there's, like, there's two. No, there's, that's coming up real soon, though. So there's that long locker room scene we kind of mentioned earlier where she starts hitting on Monica in yeah, the they're both room completely as they're showering. naked. I watched you in science class today. You did something to Craven, didn't you? Of course not. It was an accident. Look, Vicky, you need help. I'm going to go find Craig and tell him, and maybe he can get it through to you. God, Vicky, can't you see what's happening to you? Everything's swell. Yeah, and then it becomes like the slowest sort of creeping chase through the locker room to kill Monica. Uh, And we mentioned how well they did sort of that school chase at the end of last week mm-hmm. in the end of the first movie where I was like oh this is gonna suck she's just gonna go hide in a broom closet but no they like went into several classrooms and down several hallways and stuff and this is just like very confining and confusing and like Mary Lou or Vicky Lou I guess is just like stalking <laughs> her naked through the through the locker room and it yeah it's very uh it's very uncomfortable and then in, I never ever seen this killing ever but She's in the locker, and then Mary Lou uses her possession to crush her. And then you see the guts and blood pour out just of the locker. That was gross. Brian, like, you got to understand, like, that is, you know, this is rare. Like, this is kind of rare, like, for that to, I don't know, like, to get that inventive and creative and not be, I don't know, like, more of a fantasy horror movie. I mean, I keep mentioning them around Elm Street, but, like, it's honest. Like, it just feels like if it wasn't that movie, it shouldn't work. And somehow they've managed to, like, craft this sort of clone like that locker scene works better than half of the kills in the nightmare on elm street series wow well i mean they had to really start stretching and figuring out different things for freddie to do but like you know it's amazing he never did this because of how much of that series is like a high school series Oof. i i, I mean that's what i mean by like i love the, the creativeness and that is definitely a practical you know model right like yeah. there's no illusion no, to that not. like it's <laughs> 
but it doesn't matter because like it's so effective. Ooh. <laughs> Like half of it is just the thought, right? Half of it is just the idea of it, and the other half is like, "Wow, I can't believe they actually executed that fairly well." Now, it's really funny in my mind, funny in a morbid way, that when the girl who was pregnant dies, they have that little thing like, "I can't believe they're still doing prom after you know she committed suicide in school," and we know she didn't commit suicide, but I kind of get it because what a damper on your prom. But then, oh, I totally get it. But then when they discover another student crushed inside of a locker like literally just like made into human ooze inside of a locker maybe it's time to cancel prom <laughs> maybe it's too late maybe there's like the point of no return the prom point of no return oh, it's like the it's, deposit it's in a couple in. hours <laughs> come on it's in a couple hours we can't we can't move it till like next month or anything no i don't i, I also wonder maybe she's cleaning up after herself like, we don't see it. True. It could be between scenes, but maybe she makes, like, the bodies vanish into that, like, wardrobe chest afterwards. Because we find out she tries to, like, suck people in there at the end of the movie. Um, it could sort of be her way of, like, getting powerful or something like that. But, no, Brian, like, these are definitely <laughs> questions I've never occurred to me. Like, the, <laughs> your mind is not... Right, like acclimated for watching horror at this point, and I love it. No, exactly, exactly. But there's plot holes in every movie if you, you know, look hard enough. It's just funny how these jumped out at you, I think. To me, because like I said, I don't have horror film eyes. It's like if I mm-hmm. went to Avengers and be like, how can he fly? You know, like. <laughs> well, no, I think, yeah, it's like when you had the one guest on who actually works on horror movies and stuff and like knows the behind the scenes and everything and was able to sort of you know dispel the illusion to a degree but also like still can revel in it as well and like it doesn't ruin anything if you know how it's done and all that stuff so like that's an even you know different eye to watch it through too so well, true. Yeah. You'll get there. I feel like you're getting there. <laughs> well, I'm, I... maybe we just have to do like a, a string of horror movies. You know, I guess that's kind of what we're doing now. You're getting a, you're getting a little more now. So <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm not like I haven't touched like gore yet. The really really gr- yeah. gratuitous gore stuff yet. I I think like a good way to tackle horror could be chronologically. You know, like go through. And I'm not I'm not saying like only watch like like watch all the movies from the 50s then the 60s no but like watch a horror movie from the 60s then watch one from the 70s then the 80s then the 90s you know and then start over and watch another one from the 60s then the 70s then i think you would get a good idea of like how things sort of changed and evolved you know if you watched like a hitchcock film you know and then watched a de palma film you'd be like oh okay like that's where he got everything from <laughs> and then that way carrie might even make you know be even cooler upon like rewatch that's the thing I like know. i when i'm saying these things though i'm not complaining but right now it's distracting to me because i'm watching it in even a lens of more pure high school films, you know, not necessarily... This isn't a horror podcast. Right, right. I'm not having the fun that I think true horror fans would be having, you know? I'm not I'm not hating it, but I'm asking questions that maybe I just should just be along for the ride for, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think they're... I think there isn't um, there isn't a good balance here. Like as much as I love it, because it's very it's very sort of heavy loaded with the supernatural, the uh, the murdering, the killing, the horror, like the the craziness. There's not enough downtime in this movie for you know someone with a less 
refined palette you know to i feel fully enjoyed like that first movie there's too much downtime this one there's not enough maybe in the third one they'll get it just right maybe we'll have like a three bear situation (laughs) three and it'll be just like a great sort of you know nice balance there and i can understand like your frustrations too because like i guess as the bigger horror fan like i was having problems last week where i was like this is just too slow for me like i'm not here for the high school movie so much like i'm here just for the horror and now i'm here for the horror and you're here for the high school you know what i'm saying like there just isn't a lot of high school in this high school horror movie i think that could possibly be you know part of the issue going on here now i mean i'll get this out of the way now did you enjoy this one more than prom night the first one Oh, absolutely. Like, Brian, I love this movie. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's coming through. Like, I feel like I've been, you know, more obnoxious than usual um, tonight just because of, like, how much, like, I think this movie is just, like, a lot of fun and just, you know, a real just riff on not just see, like I was saying last week it almost feels like a remake with like 1987 sensibilities like it's just where horror's at now like prom night one in the 80s was just slower more of a stalker kind of thing happening with the halloweens and even jason at that time was just stalking people through the woods and now we're really you know full blown into like more fantasy horror you know and not just freddy and stuff but like there's stuff like puppet master coming out and like just weird shit you know like people like really expanding you know what the genre can be maybe tying more science fiction elements into things at times too but like it's it's just evolved so much in seven years and i think you can see that between the first two movies yeah and this is just more my taste yeah i'm just not there yet i don't hate it i'm just not like graduated because i'm actually like i'm getting into like the early 80s and late 70s horror films i haven't graduated to late 80s, early 90s horror films yet. This is helping me, I suppose. This film feels like a crash course in it. That's not a bad way to put it, because they throw in everything at this movie. You know, maybe this franchise is my crash course. You know, we'll see what happens at at 3. We'll see how much you enjoy 3, and you can guide me along with 3. But we're on 2 now. Let's let's try to bring 2 home. Uh, Okay. Because we're going to get, you know, we didn't, we talked more about the prom, like your actual prom, last week's episode, so if you guys want to hear about the Manzi prom you, you can check that out but we're getting to this prom soon yeah what is the theme of their prom 80s I suppose <laughs> it's literally like new wave yeah new wave and I love <laughs> the new theme. wave I love I would I would love to go to a new wave prom like <laughs> which I really wish they played that up the way they played up disco prom last time that would have been so cool <laughs> but did you notice like a few punks walking around campus yeah. like i totally saw my five dads make a cameo in this movie yeah that's pretty funny. there were punks this was again it was just firmly an 80s film <laughs> no but i i thought it was great and we haven't we've talked about it a little bit uh the subplot but not really like in depth how you know kelly wants to be prom queen she's nominated and Vicky's nominated, and I think also the pregnant friend was nominated, but obviously she's dead now. Because they're like, ooh, they're dropping like flies. Like, that's what, like, Kelly says. I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, I don't think that's related to the prom queen vote. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly has been trying to get Josh. Josh? Yeah, I think you got it this time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Kelly has been trying to get Josh to rig the votes in her favor. Because this is, like, all she cares about. She's been passing out, like, propaganda against Vicky the entire film. Oh, yeah, it's like running for school president. Yeah, 
She's like, yeah. this is like the one glory that she's ever going to experience in her life, apparently. <laughs> and she offers Josh $100. And I didn't get this at the time, but I guess he was implying that he wanted a sexual favor in instead of money. Which, okay, this conflicted me, because I saw Josh up until this point as a pretty sympathetic character. Okay. He was like the nerd, and he was like a nice guy, and he was like, gee, if you're going to prom and I'm going to prom, we should both go to prom, you know? Or, like, yeah. stuff like that. We'll skip ahead a little just to, like, close the Josh. I don't want to go to his death, but eventually she ends up relenting to his wish was to get a blowjob in exchange for rigging the vote. Yeah. Which really turned me on his character. I was like, oh, okay, he's not really, like, the sweet, innocent nerd. He wants a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was I was not expecting that from the girl either. Like, that felt very sort of out of the blue like i was surprised that that is how far she was gonna go to be named prom queen and everything and i don't think we were ever introduced to the fact that josh was like the computer dude or whatever oh the 80s i think it was just like we have a hacker here (laughs) essentially i think it was just implied because like he does the potato radio like he's the tech guy yeah you know yeah yeah no but i mean i was very like i was like what is going on like that whole scene when she goes down on him it's like what is going on what is why what is happening here and then he throws vicky's picture like away he's like sorry vicky and the spirit of vicky lou comes through him so like he starts typing the changes on his computer and the computer like comes sort of alive and like shocks him and does like force lightning like the emperor it like he gets like lightninged from the computer and fried and like it looks like his eyes are gonna pop out of his head and everything and like i was like oh my god that is such a great death that's such a crazy new wave death (laughs) (laughs) i was like we're getting everything here we're getting like cheesy sort of animated lightning effects we're getting really cool and inventive practical effects like they're really Man, they're really, like, pulling out all the stops. That's such an 80s death, too, because, like, I think there was kind of a belief in the 80s that a computer could electrocute you like that. (laughs) You know, like, it wasn't as far-fetched to think. Like, now we know, like, like electricity, like, force waves are not going to come out of a computer and kill you. (laughs) Yeah, it's never going to shock you like that. I think I might have heard, like, stay away from a computer in a lightning storm when I was a kid or something. (laughs) Like, you don't. You don't want to get a shock, maybe. Yeah, at the most, but probably this like a is like shock. face melting, like emperor level <laughs> Sith lightning. <laughs> uh, we should mention too, and I think this happens a little bit before, but like Mary Lou ends up mm-hmm. teasing Craig a bit, and then you know, how, like how does that go down? Like, cause she um, she kind of like uses it as like bait for the dad as well. Yeah, Ooh. she's just sort of letting Michael Ironside know that the spirit of of Mary Lou is like in her like she's she's like not only am I Mary Lou but like I've got my hooks in your son and Michael Ironside's like holy shit it really is her and that's when he like runs to the grave to like dig up the <laughs> grave and everything because like his his uh, suspicions are confirmed which were that the ghost of his ex-girlfriend who he accidentally murdered on prom 30 years ago <laughs> is back and he was right somehow he was like this is what's going on <laughs> and yeah and he knew it so oh i think she's we, just fucking with him i think we missed to when you know mary lou's like well mary lou slash vicky it's mary lou in vicky's body vicky lou. but yeah. vicky ends up making out with her father right oh yeah spent my first paycheck buying your mother a corsage and a ring 
And I had to wear my father's tux. <laughs> You'll remember tonight forever. I hope so. Hold me, Daddy. What are you doing? What have you done? leaving this house. So, uh, <laughs> right before she leaves for prom, that's when, so that's with the shot of her in the long blue dress sitting on the horse. Yeah, okay. Room, yeah. And that is like one of the greatest shots in the entire movie. And the dad comes in and is just like, boy, you know, when I was your age and I went to prom and all this stuff, and then she just like walks up to him and he's like still talking and really uncomfortable. And then she like starts making out with him and he like doesn't stop her. That's it's, what's like, weird. Very freaky. Like that is super weird. And then the mom comes in and is like, what's going on here? <laughs> Understandably at this point. And uh, Mary Lou's like, what? I'm going to prom. And the dad is just like dumbfounded and that's when the mom gets in front of the front door. Is like, you're not going anywhere. And Mary Lou just like shoves her out the front door in a huge explosion. <sighs> so I'm pr- I assume like mom's dead now too. I always wonder like, how are they going to pick up the pieces after this film? Like, how are you going <laughs> to explain all this? But again, the rocking horse scene where she's in like the, the yellow thing and it says Hamilton High. I, I meant to mention like that. Obviously that was one of the added scenes, but they make it so clear that it's Hamilton High. And that's like one of the linking things of the first one. Oh, I see. I see. You know, so that's the last thing I was paying attention to. Was like, what's the name of this high school? <laughs> that 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 was again, that was purposeful. But yeah, the the horse scenes are really really freaky. I mean, carousel horses like they they can be. I understand the beauty in their you know intricacies of the crafting of them and stuff. But wow, like you want to freak someone out, like just put something like that in the corner of a room just like have it in a room like what like that just seems like like the weirdest thing to have in your room in general like maybe put that in the living room it's this weird thing right like we see this a lot in high school films and it makes a lot of sense because i think it is actually true the high school and the nudity in this film aside but high school is such a transitional period in people's lives like you have a lot of adult things you're behaving like an adult you have a sexual awakening like an adult but your room has some relics of your childhood as well Mm -hmm. not to get into the details but i remember being in like my girlfriend's room at the time and there being like a lot of kitty stuff there you know because Mm -hmm. it's your childhood room so i think i think it's like the carousel horse is just something she probably had since she was a kid that's just still there um you know yeah i think it'd be weird if it was like a (laughs) you went into like a 30 year old's apartment and there was this kind of stuff but it's such a transitional time because you're still a kid you're still you know living with mom and dad and going to school but you're also an adult very clearly in this film but you know you're also an adult because you're doing it adult things and there's that like and again it's played up more in movies but that like sexual pressure and stuff yeah, and it's like these two worlds colliding, and that's like the weirdness of high school. Should it escalate to making out with your father because you're possessed by a demon? Probably not, but I think it is a little <laughs> representative of that. 
you know? Yeah, I understand that, and I see that, and I definitely had, you know, like, stuffed animals and stuff hanging around probably too long or whatever, just like, I, I mean, I still have action figures on the wall and shit, so I never really grew out of any of that stuff, really, but I was just thinking, like, who has the carousel horse in the room in the first place, like, even if she's, like, eight. Yeah, but I, <laughs> not to, I'm not criticizing your action figures and your movie love. I feel like... No, that, no, I know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sort but of... But I feel like, like if you had, like, a clown in your room, you know, like... <laughs> something yeah my only question was why is that thing in there in the first place not i could understand like having relics of your childhood laying around and everything and but this just felt more symbolic that i couldn't decode like there is something very bizarre going on here and now that you say it was like part of the reshoots maybe that makes even more sense just the overall strangeness gave me a very eerie feeling about it so i mean it worked whatever they did so i don't know why i sound like i'm complaining <laughs> no no because it, it was weird as hell <laughs> it's just like now i want you know just seems so out of place right like i want more weird out of place stuff in other movies now like i feel like this movie is spoiling me to a degree of like look at this shit we're getting away with it doesn't make any sense but like there it is anyway and it seems to be working for me and I don't fully understand why. I'm just kind of going with it. <laughs> we should mention, um, what, you know, Vicky slash Mary Lou. Vicky Lou. Yeah, Vicky Lou arrives at the prom, and when she electrocutes Josh, it keeps him from rigging the vote. And she, Vicky, on her own, actually won the contest to be prom. Did you see the the line the kid says to the girl who lost? She goes, he goes, looks like you blew it. <laughs> yeah, and that is and she, in reference yes, to the Felicia guy. <laughs> that occurs yes i did notice that line i wrote it down i was like okay <laughs> but it is kind of funny that she just wins like she didn't have to rig it or no. anything like people actually voted for her and stuff because she didn't put on any campaign she's really dealing like she really went on like a personality shift actually she started you know walking down the halls in like a poodle skirt with like her hair up singing you know like ricky nelson songs <laughs> like playing playing doo-wop on her radio and things like so it was probably a combination really of Mary Lou and Vicky that got her the win because I think people like Vicky because she was a nice person and then once they mm. see uh, I don't know her little 50s change then you know she got right. she got the people who like the bad girls too she's a little more outgoing maybe or just yeah <laughs> oh you know what Brian now that I, I just saw a note and I don't know why I wrote this down but it makes perfect sense she had pictures of horses in her locker I'm not even kidding oh really so maybe, Vicky yeah yeah so maybe there's like a whole thing where like her character was a horseback rider or was a rider or loved horses that they just never sort of expanded on. But, Th wow. This is what you do best. You find the little nugget and make the lore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, so she wins the prom queen. They're going to crown her prom queen. It's a similar moment to Mary Lou getting it. Dude, it is the exact same moment for <laughs> Michael Ironside. He is stuck in like this time loop. It is amazing. His character, oh my God, I feel so bad for him. But instead of, like, a stink bomb, he has a gun now. <laughs> he now has a gun, and it's not an accidental murder. He's going to shoot Vicky, like, through the heart right when she's crowned. I was like, how are you going to explain this? 
oh, he doesn't give a shit. He just needs this to end. He needs the ma- like when you're that deep in like madness <laughs> in a horror movie. When you're that character, like you don't, you're not thinking that far ahead. You just need this moment to be over. <laughs> but it's like the worst thing you could do. Yeah, you know, because it actually like awakens the real demon. And like Vicky gets shot and falls down, sure, and like there's a panic. But then like the demonic Mary Lou like claws her oh way out Literally. of the body of Vicky and is like this like charred like horrific demon woman standing above the prom i was like oh my god i can't this is like one of the craziest climaxes ever like i can't believe like they keep pushing it i can't believe someone just crawled out of another person like that it was crazy literally yeah it's not like her spirit leaves her body literally it's her charred being that slowly turns back into a regular being that crawls out of Vicky's body. It was pretty gross. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did not expect it. I should have at this point, but I did not expect it. I was like, whoa. Well, I had forgot that the last 10 minutes of this movie is just like insanity. It's like the, it's like Suspiria, you know, 2019 or 18 or the, the new Suspiria. Like it just ends in like this bloodbath of madness and it just keeps going and going. And like, I feel like that's the same here like it's just insane and it just it it even you know in ways for me not for everyone because you know, I could understand this, but it rivals the end of original Carrie wow. to me. Be- wow. Yeah, because because it just that's its own thing, but this is also its own thing. You know what I'm saying? At this point, even though it's been pulling and taking and sort of been an amalgam of all these horror ideas and movies and stuff, I feel like it's come into its own at this moment. Like, as soon as the demon claws out of another person, I'm like, it's sort of like, it's its own thing now. Oh, man. Oh, man. And it's... Oh, did you notice that Kelly isn't even killed by the demon, but she's killed by, like one of the 80s neon lights just like piercing yeah. piercing her oh i love it <laughs> but whoa that must suck to die in a horror film theoretically like oh my god there's a demon possessing it like you don't die from the thing you just die from like stuff happening around you because i don't think she aimed that at her that's what happens like in carrie is like she i feel like specifically aims her powers at certain people and that's why i feel like this is even crazier because it's all collateral death yeah <laughs> Like, it's just the demon is, like, trying to just get out of the building and not really, you know, do too much else. And then everyone around it is just, like, yeah, (laughs) are are dying because, like, shit's falling from the ceiling. (laughs) Yeah, the 80s light. Like, there's no more 80s death than being killed by, like, a squiggly neon light fixture. (laughs) At a prom, mind you. Um, um, and then, oh, so, th- I mean, it gets even more, like, it's not even over yet, because, like, the whole thing is, like, they leave the prom, right? Because Mary Lou, who looks like original Mary Lou Yeah, now, at this point. Who's really cool, I think, like, that's, she's got a really, I think that's a pretty cool actor actress they got. She's, like, got a great attitude uh, in the end of this movie here. But she grabs... Michael Ironside's son, because she's going to feed him to the magic wardrobe box. And that, right? Like, she, like, drags him up there while, like, all the craziness is happening at the prom. And Michael Ironside, and, like, the kid is, like, getting dragged into the into the chest and like all this crazy light and stuff and Michael Ironside comes in with the tiara and he snaps the magic tiara right yeah. and there's like that's what takes out the ghost of Mary Lou for now right and then there's a flashback to Mary Lou and Michael Ironside finally having their dance at the prom 
and they kiss and everything seems like it's going to be okay because Vicky's back and she seems unharmed. And yeah, yeah she crawls her. out of the box, right? She crawls out of the box. So she got she went somehow from the chalkboard to the box and out again. And everything seems like it's going to be great. And Michael Ironside's going to give the kids a ride home. Wait, but... wait, wait, before that, though, I like how we're panning out. And then we get like a, like a couple cops. And one of them is like, I don't know what went on here. <laughs> <laughs> that to me was great because it was just like, I actually liked that. Like it, it, it was that, I mean, perfect writing <laughs> because like that's what I'm thinking too. Like, what the hell just happened? You know. <laughs> well, I always feel like, and I mean, this is—it's not always easy to do without sounding sort of sort of bad. But like, I remember as a, when I was like trying to write screenplays and stuff, just trying to state the obvious as much as possible. But like, it's not always that easy. Sometimes it's the dance around what someone's trying to say uh, that makes it the journey worthwhile. But when someone just blurts it right out <laughs> like that, it could be so refreshing and stuff. I want a whole movie like that. Honestly, I think the tone for this allowed for that. You know, like mm-hmm. if there's you know other movies, maybe not. But to me, like that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, what the hell just happened here? You know, and I always- just a little punch up at the end, with the cop. Yeah. Just a little ADR. Just add that little ADR and it added so much. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then I knew, I knew it wasn't just going to end on like a happy note like that. I knew something was up. Oh, yeah. And then you, you were uh, about to mention it. Michael Ironside is going to drive them home and everything is like worked out and it's all happily ever after. But he turns around and it turns out that he is now possessed by the spirit of Mary Lou and he turns the dial to like old 50s music and they drive off and the movie ends. <laughs> you okay? Dad? So he's gonna get them. <laughs> the implication, yeah, is that Vicky is still existing inside. She just like has merged with his father. And... Oh, Mary Lou, because Vicky sorry, sorry, is sorry, now. Sorry. I'm yeah. kind of sick of you. Mary Lou has merged with the father. Vicky is in the back seat, which is awesome. Such a great ending, just insane. So, <laughs> so it seems like you really, really like this film. Like, I liked it way more than I was expecting to, you know? And, I mean, it was just uh, refreshing. I guess I haven't really been watching too much horror lately. I recently rewatched Cronenberg's The Fly, which is great. I think you would really like that. There's a lot of sort of existential horror going on there, too. Just, like, the the dread of the situation and everything, as well as the visual sort of disgustingness that's also very awesome and stuff. But, like, I was just, you know, not expecting... I didn't have the memory of this, 
You know, like I've just watched so many movies and I think that's part of the problem. I got to cut back a little so that I could sort of relish and, you know, ruminate a little more in the memory of certain movies that I liked and not forget them so quickly and easily because this is definitely one of them. Like this is such a fun, schlocky, crazy, wacky, wild horror movie sequel to, you know, Prom Night. Like I would never have expected this to go so balls to the wall and you know, hit it out of the park for me, like from, from my certain sensibilities, like one of my, I t- my all time favorite movie is still since I was 13 planet of the apes, like the original, but one of my like top five all time favorite movies is also night of the comet, you know? So like I, my sci-fi horror sensibilities are like all over the map when it comes down to it. I don't really judge quality by how much money they had or you know how many shortcomings if i enjoy it if i like it if it like rings a bell with me then i'm gonna enjoy it and this is one of those movies that i you know really was not expecting to sort of be this entertained by (laughs) (laughs) okay so what do you want to rate the movie on then oh haunted tiaras haunted tiaras Good. I Good, mean, I like is it. there anything else really? Uh, there could be. I mean, there, there. I think there could be a lot. The haunted horses. Yeah, we could have done that too. Whatever. We could still do it. No, haunted, I, mean, I like haunted show. You have the final word. No, haunted tiaras. It's fun, but it also makes a lot of sense. So, mm-hmm. how many haunted tiaras are you giving? Hello, Mary Lou. Prom night two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny that I remember last week I bumped my score up from like two and a half to two to three stars or something like that. Like, I'm going to just give this one three and a half, but I love it like it's five. (laughs) But it just, you know, I just can't, you know, I, I, at a certain point you just have to face facts, right? Like, this is not a five star movie as much as I love it. And I I would just say like, yeah, as far as like generally, as far as horror, if I'm going to stack this up against the rest, like this is seriously like three and a half close to four stars for me wow wow now i feel like you could either love this movie or hate this movie and i'm gonna do neither of those things because you know you kind of sold me up from hating it but i still don't i'm still not ingrained enough in the horror to love it so i'm gonna give it the down the middle 2.5 two two prom tiaras and one half prom tiara and the half prom tiara <laughs> is what breaks in half and kills or presumably kills mary lou <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you sold me on its merits, so I'm not going to be like, this is terrible, you know? But it's also, I think I'd be a poser if I was like, this is awesome, because I didn't 100% feel that way while watching the movie, you know? But I definitely see how fans of the genre could enjoy this, and I definitely see how fans of the genre, or people in general, could not enjoy this, you know? I'm not surprised by its 30... uh, percent score on Rotten Tomatoes like I never was taken out of it I never was bored watching it if that makes sense yeah like to me a bad movie I'm bored watching it and I I was excited the entire time I was waiting for the next scene the entire time you know and a lot of it surprised me I'll say that much (laughs) you know so two and a half prom tiaras uh you know you gave it a very good score because you you loved it and i could definitely see why you know this is going to be a fun one what sleeping bag do you want to bring to this prom night experience oh boy i wonder do i bring the one that runs like do i bring my electric sleeping bag that runs off of potatoes (laughs) Mm. oh man i think i'm trying to think uh prom i remember last time i brought like my disco ball sleeping bag because that was really building off of the disco prom but i'm trying to think let's see i guess hmm 
I need to bring like some kind of like ghost repellent sleeping bag this time. I think <laughs> some kind. Um, maybe I'll just bring my Ghostbuster sleeping bag. I'll do that. Nice. You know, uh, just in theme with like the ghost and the spirit. Maybe that'll protect me enough. Is it Ghostbusters or is it like uh, the animated Ghostbusters or what is? It? Oh yeah, so it's actually it's the animated the real Ghostbusters. Nice show, <laughs> which is just an amazing cartoon i mean if you know if you've ever seen like if you ever want more go feel like why didn't they make more ghostbusters they did they made like so many episodes of that cartoon and they're all really fun yeah it's a classic it's one of the best so i'm going with that now you know you've been on prom night episode you were on prom night too does that make you the prom king this year of high school slumber party you gotta be kidding (laughs) i never would have imagined In a billion years, <laughs> ever, that sentence would, like, me as prom king would ever be uttered. I would be so honored, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're prom king. I'm going to cue up some music wow. now, and congratulations. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Don't die. <laughs> oh, am I marked? <laughs> I didn't prepare anything. Um, yeah, I guess I'd just like to say I never before ran for prom king or anything like that. <laughs> But uh, it's an honor to be High School Slumber Party's first prom kid. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, as this comes out on a Friday, we'll be doing Prom Night 3 the following Monday. So if you guys have not had enough of Prom Night yet, oh, on, on your show, Mike, if you want to plug it a little bit. Um, yeah, so on my show over a Third Time's a Charm, where I take a look at the third installment of a franchise, uh, we're going to keep going um i guess what is this um what's is there a is there a sophomore junior senior prom or is there just junior senior and then college prom i don't know i don't even know i think in college like fraternities have like formals so okay i don't know if that counts Um, and and then at my school we didn't have a sophomore prom but we had cotillion the winter cotillion, which was um, all four grades going to dance together. Okay, and that, well, that was we'll, in the school. That was that was. Cool. Well, I guess we still got to find out what this prom night three is all about. So, definitely come join us over on Third Times a Charm. Um, we just wrapped. I just wrapped up uh, just a three episode arc of WrestleMania three, which Brian was on as my wrestling consultant, which was really great. We even did that awesome bonus episode. But that was epic. And yeah, so if you like the third part of a movie, um, go check out uh, cageclub.me where you can see all the back episodes and everything. And Brian's been on a lot and those are some really fun episodes. Yeah, definitely. Now, I'm going to give you a challenge. And I'm giving it to you a year in advance. But when we do prom night four, next Mm -hmm. May, June-ish, you have to bring a prom date. (laughs) Okay. So you have one one year to find a prom night for prom for prom night well, sorry, if we were, if, one year to find a prom date for prom night four if we were recording this in a month I'd, i might have been able to get a date, <laughs> prom date for this recording but recording it a little early but okay i think i could do that i'll try <laughs> and then maybe you know since we'll be more prepared we'll do we'll do more prom questions and more prom style but i think we covered a lot last week and we can always talk about it yeah. more next yeah well know, that's the thing brian if you have any prom questions in general just bring them next week uh, over to my show you know feel free to you know discuss over there the prom continues 
It's not our last dance yet, Mike. It's not our last dance. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for uh, stopping by. Thanks for, I guess, taking me to prom and being the prom queen. Prom king. (laughs) Or prom queen. Whatever you want. Whatever you're feeling today, Mike. All right. See you later, alligator. Thanks. (laughs) I forgot that was in this film. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mike Manzi, for the romantic two weeks in a row of proms. Of prom night of these strange and bizarre horror films. And guess what? It continues. Not on this show, but on Mike Manzi's own show, Third Time's a Charm, the show that explores the third movie of a franchise. And of course, you heard it on the episode, but I'm going to remind you again, we're talking about Prom Night 3. And you can find that show on cageclub.me or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of Cage Club, your homework next week is to watch a film, a new film. The Godfather himself is stopping by to talk about this one because this film is getting a lot of buzz and I can't wait for you guys to hear what I have to say and what Joey has to say and I can't wait to hear what you guys might have to say about this film. It's Booksmart. Good morning, winner. Take a deep breath. Visualize the mountain of your success and look down at everyone who's ever doubted you. Fuck those losers. Fuck them in their stupid fucking faces. Oh shit. Are we gonna go to school or? What's two plus two? Isn't it crazy that it's the last day of school? Go talk to her. She's got a really cute smile. Amy, do you know how many girls are going to be up your vagina next year? Every time I come to visit you, you're going to be scissoring a different girl. Dude, scissoring is not a thing. Don't knock it until you've tried it. Don't knock it until you've tried it. It's the last day. We got you through high school. I need to go over the end of the year budget numbers. Can't we just graduate, head off to college? That should do it, right? We will persist. I can't hear you. I can't soundproof glass. We have to go to a party tonight. What? Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Hand sanitizer, Cat. chapstick, Cat. mace. Listen, it is very important that you keep the safety. Oh! Ah! The safety is on! Don't touch your eyes! What the fuck is this? Re-ask the questions! Oh my god! What, what can I say? Well, this seems excessive. Shotgun. Just kidding. I don't have one. Don't say we're having a date night. Why? It's funny your parents think we're boning. What you two have is special. We are going to show each other how much we care about each other. We'll probably just do a Korean face mask. I don't need to know all the words. You know, I love talking the classics, but I also love talking new movies. And like I said, this is getting a lot of buzz. Definitely stop by next week. Watch it in the theaters if you can, because there's going to be spoilers. And I've seen the movie already, 
So this is a very mandatory assignment. Watch Booksmart. Let me know what you think. Let me know on Twitter. Let me know on the Instagram. Let me know on Facebook. You can email me at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. If you give me some of your opinions, I'll read them on the show. Promise. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves, though. We still got to say bye, at least for now, to Mary Lou. So the song is called, actually, Mary Lou. It's also on the soundtrack, but this one isn't by Ricky Nelson, and I'm looking it up. This one is by Ronnie Hawkins. Later, dudes. I'm going to tell you a story about a Mary Lou. I mean, the kind of a woman make a fool of you. She make a young man groan at an old man pain. Way she took my money was a crying shame. Mary Lou. She took my diamond ring Mary Lou Mary She took my watch and chain Mary Lou She took the keys to my Cadillac car Jumped in my kitty and she drove afar Left me stranded in a Kalamazoo Making her a fortune off a fool like you She got her a rich man, had a dozen kids Drove that cat until he flipped his lid You still here? It's over. Go home. Go.